Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Myself, I've just been reading this week and been so blessed um, from Psalm 119. And every night I have this little habit where I, I get my journal and I, I discipline myself every night, no matter what. I write down five things I'm grateful for, five things I, I can give God thanks for. And, and I, I read again, I, I, I read in the Word and I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And I've really been getting a lot recently out of Psalm 119. And I wanna read here from verse 49. It says, remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. And you know, this is the truth. The word of God, the promises of God are the things in which I am able to be comforted. These are the things that I can build my hope on. You've made me hope because you've given me precious promises. And if you look, it's an acrostic psalm where there's different Hebrew letters that, all the way through the psalm. And the, the Hebrew letter um, before verse 49 is Zayin. If you look up the meaning of Zayin, it means sword or weapon. And the word that he speaks to us in which he has made us hope, those precious promises are swords. They are weapons that we can use. Hallelujah. Precious promises that are, are not carnal weapons, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So we've been going through and we each week have been doing a memory verse. Who can remember week one? Where, where was it from? Philippians 4.13, let's say it together. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Hallelujah. I can do all things. So when you feel weak, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Week two, Isaiah 54.17. Who can say it? Very good. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. That means whatever comes against you that feels like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You can personalize it. I'm giving you these intentionally because these are ones that I use all the time. And, I, you know, we don't just learn these memory verses out of a religious thing. Isn't it great? We know so much memory verses. But actually, so that you've got weapons in your belt you can pull out and use to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Week three, Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. It's actually all your needs, but you can personalize it for yourself. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory, which means he's not limited. Hallelujah. Ah, hooray. Week four, Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Week five, we had the fourfold atonement. Remember Isaiah 53, verse five, who can say it? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our 
peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Well done, everybody. Well, week six, we have a new memory verse. It is from Psalm 46. This is worth memorizing the whole psalm. It's just an amazing psalm. And I encourage you, actually, one of the ways to help you memorize this is look it up yourself in the Bible and read the context around it. It'll help you. You'll see we've got two from Philippians. We've got two from Isaiah. And it's quite wonderful when you read the context. But Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And you know, if you have this tucked away on the inside, when you have trouble, anyone ever had trouble? He is a very present help in trouble. He is there. He's a refuge and a strength to me. He is what I need. Hallelujah. I shared on Friday night from Jeremiah, if you've run with, if you've wearied with the footmen, how are you going to run with the horses? Or if you've grown weary in the time of peace, how are you going to manage in the time of trouble? And God was saying that, hey, you can't keep up with horses. It's impossible for you to run with horses. And you've been called to a supernatural lifestyle of overcoming. So, hey, if you're weary, run to me. I am your strength. I am your help. And I am the one that will give you power to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Hallelujah. So there we go. Week six, praise the Lord. I hope that you get those and, and really just take them and eat them because my heart's desire in equipping the saints is that you would have the weapons ready at hand. The Holy Spirit wants to bring it to your remembrance. Hallelujah. We want to welcome today to... Um, we have new visitors in the house and we have new people who have come from different places for school, uh, academy, orientation day starting tomorrow. Hallelujah. So if you're a new visitor here today, we want to welcome you. Can you give us a big wave? I want to see your hand. If you're visiting for the first time, I see you, I see you, I see you. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is so great to have you in the house and, and we're just so delighted that you can be here with us. Um, we're looking forward to getting to know our new students. Hallelujah. Who's excited for Academy? It's going to be just a glorious time. Hallelujah. All right. Well, let's pray. Father God, you are our ever-present help in time of need, and our time of need is all the time. Father, you're with us, and you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. God, we give you thanks and praise and glory for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. You are God of revival. You are God from whom every blessing flows. You are our Lord. You are our hope. You are God. The Lord, you, He is God. Lord, we come to give you worship. We invite you, Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord. In your light, we see light. Lord, help us, Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it is a, a delight to be able to be alive in this hour as the Holy Spirit is pouring out uh, His power 
on the people. Last week, we saw such an amazing move of God as people were saved and healed and delivered. We had people being delivered spontaneously by the Holy Ghost, being delivered of anxiety and addictions, been hearing amazing testimonies of healings and um, wonderful supernatural deliverances by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I get so blessed. I've been hearing reports of people watching on television being spontaneously healed. I shared the other night about uh, one gentleman who wrote in and said he'd had double vision for 11 months and was watching one of the programs, was instantly healed. Hallelujah. And I went to bed that night, last Sunday night, and I was talking to the Lord, writing my little journal, writing down my five things that I write down every night to give thanks to the Lord and talking to the Lord. And I said to the Lord, Holy Spirit, I so appreciate you. I so appreciate what you do. I know it's, it's your work and it's your doing and I give you all the glory. But Father, help me. Holy Spirit, I want, to, I want more than just to appreciate you. I need your help to fall in love with you all over again. I, I don't want to just appreciate your presence and, and appreciate what you do. Because when we are in love, it is that place that powers us, that strengthens us to live in the Spirit. And, you know, I love, my, I love the Lord with all my heart. I love the Father. I love the Son. I love the Holy Spirit. Our God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Jesus, I love Him. But my heart's cry is, Lord, I want to love Your Spirit more. I want to be so, so in love with Your Spirit that I am intentionally every day living and moving and having my being, being aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit carrying me. And, um, and it's been remarkable. You know, when you start praying prayers like that, he starts to answer them. And I came in here tonight, and just as soon as the worship started, the voice of God was speaking to me, bringing solutions. I've been trying to work out, what am I gonna do about this? I'm trying to do everything. Everything I'm trying to do doesn't seem to work. And uh, worship begins, and I hear the Lord say, why don't you just give me that problem? And let me work that out. And I was just like, <laughs> that's awesome. Because I haven't got any more answers. I don't know what else to do. Thank you, Lord. It's all yours. Hooray. <laughs> and you know, we know that. But in his light, we remember. <sighs> and that's what happens as the Holy Spirit starts to bring supernatural, personal and corporate revival. It helps us. I can see clearly now, the rain is gone. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes. And I want to speak tonight, I want to share a little bit more about what it looks like to live as a companion of the Holy Spirit. We talk a lot about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I used to say it at school every Monday. We'd say, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen. But then when I grew, I began to understand, Lord, I need to really, I really wanna dig into this 
fellowship of the Holy Spirit thing. Like the love of God, yes, God, I'm gonna pray. I need more of that. I want that to be a continuous, overflowing revelation of the Father's love. It's not a one-off experience or a one-off revelation that I get and move on from. I need your continuous power strengthening me, Holy Spirit, strengthening me to understand and comprehend the love of Christ that's incomprehensible. I wanna know the height, the depth, the width, the breadth. I never move on from that. And I find it fascinating, Paul was speaking to believers when he said, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Of course, as believers, they have the grace of the Lord Jesus, they have the love of God and they have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But his heart desire was that they would continually press in to receiving the more that God had for them the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, a continual overflowing reminder, Jesus died, went to hell and rose again so I don't have to pay for my sin, so I don't have to go to hell because of the grace of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus means that I I don't have to be held guilty anymore. Jesus Christ has forgiven me. God, teach me more about your grace. Jesus, help me to be aware of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father. And I could speak for weeks and weeks on all of those things. But the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we trip up on the word fellowship because we we get so familiar with it. So why don't you think about it as companionship? You and I were created for companionship with God. Remember when he made Adam and Eve and he would walk with them in the cool of the garden and he'd walk with them and talk with them. He made all the animals, but the only ones that he made in his image was you and I. And you and I were created with a unique and special purpose that we would be companions of God. Wow. That is, that is the end game. That is the purpose that you and I would share unbroken companionship with God. That is, if you're looking for the purpose, the meaning of life, that's it. And I I was looking this week and thinking about Matthew 17, if you want to turn there with me. You may be familiar with this story. It's the story of the transfiguration. Jesus took Peter and James and John and took them up onto a high mountain by themselves. And it says here in verse two, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Now, think about this. Jesus, their friend, their teacher, their Lord, suddenly glistening with a, like the sun, gloriously glistening with a heavenly light 
And Moses and Elijah are there and they are talking together. They're just having this conversation. Peter and John and James, they're like, whoa. And Peter, being an extrovert, just, well, says things because he doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know what to do. I just go, blah. <laughs> but the, the thought of Jesus there talking with Moses and Elijah is a fascinating one. You see, I've often thought about that, and I, I realize theologically, symbolically, it can represent the law and the prophets, and you know, there's great symbolism. God does nothing by accident, and theologically, you could spend weeks and weeks going through that, but as I look at it, I think, why, why, why Elijah? God, why not Enoch? Why not, why not Elisha? Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah, and I know there's lots of reasons. But as I've looked at it and thought about it and thought about the fact, what were they doing there? They were talking. And as I looked into the lives of Moses and Elijah, you know, the thing that I found that was the most significant thing about their lives was that they were friends of God. And Jesus was, the Lord, was just talking with his friends. He was having conversation with his friends. And we know that in Christ we are, we are no longer um, people who, who have to fear death because death has been swallowed up in victory, that life goes on, that we live eternally, hallelujah. And heaven's a very real place. It's not some ethereal state of being, it's a place with real walls, real streets, real buildings. It's a place where people don't just sort of float around and exist, they appear to have conversations and things to do and be involved. Life goes on after death. And as I looked at this, I thought, oh God, you, you so enjoy people that you draw them into your world and your working and you don't need to, but you do it because it is your great delight to have companionship with them. We had... Um, Sunday mornings, we like to have a special breakfast with the family, and um, I so enjoy my kids' company. Oh, I so enjoy their company, and I enjoy their conversation, and I enjoy my husband. He took me on a date night last night. It was so fun. We went to Eat Street. It was fun. Hallelujah. And I, and I enjoy my friends, and and it's beautiful. We were made for a relationship. But there is a relationship with God that is utterly unique. That is more than, closer than a brother, better than the love of a mother for her child, greater than that of, of lovers, husbands and wives. It is, surpasses it all because it is the perfect match. Jesus Christ came and he has made us compatible with himself by taking away our sin, hallelujah, and making us compatible with the purpose of having eternal 
fellowship and companionship with us. Hallelujah. And I looked at Moses and Elijah. I look at Moses and was reading in Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. It says here, as Miriam and Aaron, his sister and brother, are having a bit of a complaint about Moses and the fact that he took an Ethiopian wife and they're grumbling. And then the Lord speaks and says, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, may make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? It's like, he's my friend. He had this glorious relationship that didn't end when he left the earth and is still going on today. It's, an, it's a relationship you and I are invited to have with the Lord. I look in First Kings, looking at Elijah. If you could turn to Elijah, First uh, Kings chapter 19, verse one. You can see there the Ahab runs back to Jezebel and says, oh, God, he's gone and killed all the, all the prophets of Baal and his fire came down and it was just awful. And like, oh God. And, uh, and, and he complains to his wife Jezebel and Jezebel gets mad and sends a messenger to Elijah, verse two, and says, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow around this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. I mean, think about this. He's just had the... Mount Carmel experience with fire coming on the altar and he's, he's just outrun a chariot and seen the ending of the drought. And then Jezebel says, I'm gonna kill you. And he goes, I can't take anymore. Can't do it anymore. It's enough. I'm done, Lord. Done, I'm done. And it, it's real. And he's genuinely, I'm at the end. I can't, I can't do anymore. And I, I look at this story and I, I find it fascinating. Verse five. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. This is the way God deals with him when he's feeling, I can't do anymore. He sends an angel, cook some hot cake. Here, I'm gonna cook some, a nice loaf for you and nice jug of water. Here you go, Elijah, you have some more sleep. He wakes him up again, gives him some more angel food. And I mean, God is so kind. He doesn't come and say, ah, oh, you're pathetic. He just loves him. And then he runs for 40 days, 
we, we don't even hear that this is the direction of the Lord. This is just what Elijah wants to do. <laughs> Get away, run away. And he gets there and he says, it says this, he went into a cave, verse nine, and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because your children, the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. And then the Lord just goes on and says, all right, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint this one and do this and do this and then go and uh, anoint Elijah, Elisha as your successor. And basically what he says is, okay now, Time to keep going, more work to be done. And it's a fascinating story. You think, this is, there's been like mountains dissolving in front of him. There's been fire, wind, earthquakes. And then he comes in a still small voice. And Elijah doesn't seem to be even particularly moved by all the stuff. But the still small voice of God speaking to him is enough to give him the strength and the courage to go on. You see, the Holy Spirit, the companionship of the Holy Spirit, our very present help in time of trouble, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, God himself, is the thing that will keep you and strengthen you. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The waiting upon the Lord is actually engaging in the companionship that you and I were created for. You see, as we spend time with him, he can speak. He can share the word that you need to hear. He can encourage you. And he's not there to smack you around and tell you how pathetic you are. If you look at the story, he, he helped Elijah feel heard. He ministered to him in his pain, in his weakness. He loved him, he fed him, he heard him, he spoke to him. And then he gently corrected him, mentioned that, um, by the way, There's 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee. So off you go. (laughs) And then we see at the end of his days, I mean, his, his ministry went on. And then he was taken up in a chariot of fire. I mean, literally 
there he goes. And his work continues in heaven, evidently. And we get a glimpse on earth of the fact that he is part of God's circle of friends. I look at that and I think, there is an invitation there for us. God's not just saying, I'm just gonna have Abraham and Moses and Elijah and Enoch and nobody else. His heart is to have a depth of companionship and relationship with every one of us. And he wants to help us comprehend this love that's incomprehensible because human comprehension says, well, he couldn't possibly have the capacity to have that many close friends. I'll just be one of, you know, multitudes of millions. And yet God walks and talks with me in the backyard. He visits Glory City Church and talks to me in my seat. And he talks to you on the train and he talks to you at home watching. And it's just the beginning of what he longs for. He longs to be the one who can interpret your tears, bring you the comfort that you need. He's the one who waits patiently while you try everything else to fill the need. While you try and dull the fear and the pain and the anxiety with Netflix. He sits there looking at you, loving you, longing to give you the food and the help and the comfort and the strength that he has for you. And I believe this awakening, this revival that the Holy Spirit is beginning to pour out is an awakening to the revelation of the true purpose of the church, that they would be companions of God that they would live and move and have their being in him. That like John, they would say, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I was caught up. He said the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. The former glory included mountains dissolving, fire from heaven, chariots of fire, The former glory was astonishing. People couldn't even look at Moses because his face shone so much. Yet the latter glory will be greater. In the temple, which is you. No wonder the enemy has been trying to distract you and to keep you from recognizing the fullness of what you have been called to because when you give up and give your life to him and say, God, in you I live and move and have my being. You are my all in all. When you come to that place, you will begin to see the fullness of what God wants to do on the earth. He wants to cover the, the earth with his glory as the waters cover the sea. His shining ones are gonna shine like stars in the universe as they hold out the word of life. 
And the invitation is for all who will believe. We've been talking about it for a long time. Signs, wonders, miracles, salvations, glory. I was talking to the Lord the other day and saying, God, God, yes, I want revival. And I I felt the Lord say, are you ready? And I said, Lord, you know, I feel ready. He says, no, you're not. And then I heard him say, and what do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> I I guess you'll just have to do it then. Hallelujah. And he said, hooray. <laughs> and I was reminded yet again that if I thought I was ready or if I thought I could do it or if I thought I'd prayed enough, fasted enough, done enough, was in a good enough place that I could take some of the glory for it, write a book about how to have revival. Or I could recognize that I can do nothing. I'm no better than my father's. (laughs) Let his still small voice speak and allow him to revive us. From the inside out. Hallelujah. If you'll humble yourself and say, yes, Lord. Oh, God. He'll help you. He'll give you the supernatural strength to be able to see what he wants you to see. I went yesterday, I did a women's conference in another part of town and I was talking to some of the ladies afterwards who wanted prayer. They were talking to me about their situations. You know, one was being stalked, another was fleeing domestic violence, another was in terrible physical pain and yet didn't even ask for prayer about her own inability to walk. She was more concerned about her husband not being angry at her when she gets home. And I came home and I, I realized, oh God, I forget. I forget how blessed I am, how good you are to me. I'm so thankful for all that you do for me, but God, I can't, I can't bear the weight of the pain of the world and all the hurt and all the pain, but in you, I can have the strength to introduce them to Jesus and give them the only thing that can help them, that is, the companionship of the Holy Spirit, the one who will be their very present help in time of need. I can speak to them for two minutes, five minutes. I can pray and it's effective and it's powerful. They can see a healing, but unless they have the companionship of the Holy Spirit, they'll have more trouble. What will they do then? But if you learn what it looks like to hold the hand of the Holy Spirit, to have him as... I need you, God. You are my ever-present help in time of need, and I recognize my time of need genuinely is all the time. I'm not gonna go another day pretending that it's not my time of need. I need you more. I recognize my need more than I recognized I needed it yesterday. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would revive my heart, that I may never get to a place where I think I'm rich and full and have need of nothing. 
that I would humble myself and say, Jesus, I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the love of the Father. And I thank you for your fellowship. Holy Spirit, walk with me today. In Jesus' name. It's so easy to talk about. It's so easy to say, yes, yes, I know, I know, yes, I know. But the Holy Spirit, His desire to to baptize you continually with supernatural power is an invitation that as you begin to taste it, you think, I don't want anything else. And we can have as much as we are willing to receive. You might think, well, I'm willing. Yes, but he's willing every day. He's willing as you go to sleep, as you wake up, as you go to work. He is willing to fill you with more than you can physically, emotionally, spiritually handle. And he's willing to give you the strength to be able to have it so that you can live a life of walking on water and outrunning horses, of not growing weary, but running and having your strength and your youth continually renewed. It's an invitation into a a lifestyle of being fed, strengthened, encouraged, lifted, carried by the Holy Ghost himself. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.